didn't bother having the scripture reading this evening because it's only a short passage, so we'll do that now. But nursery this evening, if it's needed, uh, I believe Bethany's going to take them, so nursery can leave now. And we'll take our Bibles this evening and turn to Matthew, not Matthew, that's on Wednesday night, it's Genesis. Genesis chapter 6 this evening. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 6 this evening. <clears throat> yeah, we'll just read from verse 7. <clears throat> As we begin. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 6. And let's read from verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man <clears throat> and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are very thankful that we are able to be here this evening. We thank the Lord for your word. Uh, for the great truths that are contained therein. Uh, Lord, I pray that this evening as we uh, consider Noah, uh, the grace that you showed unto him, pray that you would speak to our hearts, uh, that you would teach us through your word, refresh us this evening. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, empower me now through the Spirit, give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that it would be uh, your words and your thoughts. And Lord, I pray that you would be honored now uh, through this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning, of course, <clears throat> we concluded basically with uh, the words of verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now it's truly a wonderful thing to read of the grace of God, isn't it? Anytime we read about the grace of God and the word of God, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. To see God's grace towards sinful man. And this is the very first time that we've seen the word grace in the scriptures. Okay, we've, we've seen the evidence of God's grace towards man uh, until this point. We've seen it in creation. We've seen it with Adam and Eve. We've seen it right throughout. We've seen God's grace. But here we have this wonderful word mentioned for the very first time. And the word grace, of course, speaks about the fact that Noah, out of all mankind, experienced the divine favor of God. That's really what we're talking about here, isn't it? When we talk about God's grace, we're talking about the divine favor of God. You know, God had just pronounced judgment upon the whole earth. In verse 7, he, he declares, we saw this morning, that he's going to destroy man from the face of the earth. He's going to destroy man for their sin. And so God has pronounced judgment upon all, but then immediately after that, in verse 8, we have these wonderful words, but Noah found grace in the eyes of of the Lord. Notice there the word found. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, this word found immediately speaks to us of the fact that Noah did not do anything to obtain the grace of God. You notice that? He found grace. He didn't do anything to obtain it. He found the grace of God. It was freely bestowed upon him by Almighty God. Now, the word grace, uh, we often define it as, as being unearned, undeserved favor and kindness. That's how you often hear God's grace defined, okay? Unearned, undeserved favor and kindness. 
You see, God's grace is not a reward for a good life, is it? God's grace is not a reward for being a good person. God's grace is undeserved favor and kindness. And so the question might then be asked, why did God show grace to Noah? Why did God show grace to Noah when everyone else is going to perish in the flood? Why does Noah experience the grace of God? And you know, I mentioned this morning, but the simple answer is faith, isn't it? It's faith. You see, God's grace is a response to saving faith. Okay? God bestows grace upon those who trust in him by faith. Now, we look, when we looked at Enoch last Sunday morning, we saw the fact that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, let's just quickly turn over there. Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews 11. <clears throat> verse 5. Hebrews 11 verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. And so when we looked at Enoch and we talked about him, we said that faith was a big part of his walk with God. Okay, A big part of the, the relationship we had with God was his faith. Without that faith he couldn't have had that, that close relationship with God. He couldn't have even entered into a relationship with God. You see, faith is essential to a relationship with the Lord, to experiencing God's grace. And Noah was a man of faith. And we see that there in Hebrews 11, verse 7. Okay, I should have told you to stay there, but I'll just read it. Hebrews 11, verse 7. It goes on, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Twice in the verse it says, by faith, in relation to Noah. And so Noah was a man of faith. He was a man who placed his faith in God and it's because of that faith that he experienced the grace of God towards him. And of course this fits with the truth of Ephesians, doesn't it? Ephesians 2. 8 and 9, for by grace are we saved through faith. Not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are saved by grace through faith. You know, this is a truth that has not changed down through the ages. This, is, this has been the same from the very beginning. Everyone who has ever been saved from sin, everyone who has ever experienced the grace of God is saved by faith. By grace through faith. Now this includes all the Old Testament saints, doesn't it? Beginning with Adam, Enoch, Noah. Basically, Hebrews 11, you can read through the list. You know, we follow it right through. All of them, those men, those women, they're all saved by faith. You see, no one has ever been saved by bringing animal sacrifices to the Lord. That doesn't save us. Hebrews 10 makes that clear. Let's just turn there. Hebrews 10 and verse uh, 1 Hebrews 10, verse 1. It says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, 
and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should, no, should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Verse 4 sums it up well, doesn't it? For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So no one has ever been saved by offering sacrifices. Those sacrifices in the Old Testament, from when Adam was doing it right through, those sacrifices were simply a picture of something greater. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ there on the cross. They were offered in faith, looking forward to the perfect sacrifice of the Lord. And that is what saved them in the Old Testament. It was their faith. Now likewise, no one has ever been saved by keeping the law. Galatians 2 tells us that. Galatians 2. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might, ha- might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And Galatians 2 is very clear, isn't it? Okay, we are not justified by works of the law. No one has ever been saved by their works. This is not something that's earned. It's something that's given by God because of their faith. And the point is that Noah here is saved by faith. Okay, I say all that to make that point clear. Okay, this is not some just random act of God. He decided, oh, I'll pick Noah out and I'll show him grace. Okay, Noah wasn't chosen because he's a good person. Noah experienced the grace of God. He found grace in the eyes of God because of his faith. And then we go on and read in verse 9 the results of this in the life of Noah. And that's really where I want us to focus this evening is Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, where it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And so there's three things said here about the man Noah. And we want to look at those three this evening. First of all, Noah, it says he was a just man. Okay, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. He's a just man. The word translated just here is a word that means just or lawful or righteous. And so you could translate it here, Noah was a righteous man. Okay? It's the idea that he's declared righteous or it's the idea of being justified. He's justified. Uh, a similar declaration is made concerning Noah in chapter 7 and verse 1. Chapter 7 of Genesis and verse 1 it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Okay, here we have this word righteous. Okay, it's the same word that's translated just in our verse in verse 9 there in chapter 6. It's the same Hebrew word. Okay, the word righteous. But notice here in chapter 7 verse 1, it, it says that God declares that he has seen Noah as righteous. God says, for thee have I seen Righteous. So God has seen him righteous. 
It's not just that he's righteous before men. Okay? That's not what it's talking about. He's righteous in the eyes of God, in the sight of God. But you see, it's important that we understand that this righteousness that Noah has here did not come from his good works. It comes back to what we are talking about before with salvation. This righteousness was not the result of his good works. He was not declared righteous. He was not declared a just man because he was a good person. That's not what it's talking about. Rather, his good works were the result of his righteousness. Okay, that's the outworking of it. Noah was righteous. Why? He was righteous before God because God had saved him by grace through faith, as we just outlined in the introduction. Okay, so this is a result of that. He's saved by grace through faith, and God declares him righteous, a just man. You see, righteousness is the result of faith. Noah, like Abraham after him, was justified by faith. Genesis chapter 15, just turn over there. It's a wonderful verse talking about Abraham. Genesis 15 and verse 6 says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. It's a wonderful verse. Genesis 15, 6, remember it. Okay, God declared, counted uh, Abraham righteous. Why? Because he believed in the Lord. Okay, this is this whole idea that we're talking about here. He believed in the Lord, he placed his faith in God, and God in his grace saved him, and God counted him righteous, justified before him. You know, that's the point of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, which we read earlier. At the end of that verse there, it says, Noah became heir of what? Heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Did you notice that before? Hebrews 11, verse 7? Okay, it says it right at the end there. It says he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So he obtained this righteousness how? By faith. Because of his faith, he became an heir of righteousness. Declared righteous before God. You see, the point is that like Noah, when we place our faith and trust in Christ for salvation, we are declared righteous before God, aren't we? That's the wonderful standing that we now have. That's our standing before God. In Christ, we are declared righteous. You see, in our own righteousness, we could never stand before God. We could never stand before God. The very best we can do is but filthy rags. Isn't that what Isaiah 64 tells us? Let's turn over there. I know we know the verse, but Isaiah 64 and verse 6. It said a verse which we probably all know well, but Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says this, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The very best we can do is filthy in the eyes of God. It's not doesn't measure up to God's holy standard. We've fallen short. You see, we can never hope to stand before God based on what we do, based on our righteousness. We need the righteousness of Christ, don't we? The righteousness of Christ imputed to us, put to our account, counted to us, just like Abraham had righteousness counted to him. We need that, the righteousness of Christ. 
imputed to us. Second Corinthians chapter five. Let's just turn there. Second <clears throat> Corinthians five and verse twenty-one. It speaks about this: what we have now in Christ by faith. Second Corinthians five verse twenty-one. It says, "For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin." Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We are made righteous before God. How? In Christ. In Christ. It's His righteousness that we stand in before God. You know, the wonderful result of being saved by grace through faith is that we stand justified. Romans 5, just one last verse. Romans 5 and verse 1 sums this up well. Romans chapter 5. In Romans 5 and verse 1 it says, Therefore being justified by faith, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He sums it up, doesn't it? We are justified how? By faith. We stand before God. We have peace with God how? By our faith in Christ. And so we're made righteous. And so just like Noah we placed our faith in Christ, then we are a just man or a just woman. We are justified in the sight of God. The second thing we see here about Noah is it says that Noah was perfect in his generations. Let's go back there to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. It says that he was perfect in his generations. And so we've said that Noah, because of his faith, stood righteous before God. And now we see that he was declared perfect in his generations. So what's that talking about? Well, it's important we understand, first of all, this word perfect obviously doesn't mean that he's sinless. Okay, that much is clear, isn't it? Okay, because no man is sinless. Okay, Noah was a sinner, just like the rest of us. A sinner just like everyone else before the flood. Okay, that's not what set him apart. He wasn't sinless and so what then does this word perfect mean what's it talking about well strong's concordance gives this definition of the hebrew word it says that it means entire also integrity or truth it means without blemish complete full perfect sincerely sound without spot undefiled upright whole a long list of meanings, isn't it? But they all basically boil down to this. The word is speaking about the fact that Noah was a man of integrity. He was an upright man or blameless in the sight of men. He was blameless in his generation. That's really what it's talking about there. Okay? It's this idea of blameless in his generations. Wearsby writes this. He says, if righteous, okay, that word just, okay, if righteous describes Noah's standing before God, then blameless, or perfect, describes his conduct before the people. Okay, the first one's talking about his standing before God. He's righteous before God because of his faith. This second one, perfect in his generation, is talking about his standing before man, his conduct before the people. You see, the idea here is that Noah is justified before God, declared righteous, and that now he lived that in the eyes of men. Okay, that's this perfect in, genera- in his generations. He lived it before men. He lived a life that demonstrated his faith in God. 
He said there was nothing in his life for men to accuse him of. Nothing for them to hold on to and, and bring reproach upon the name of God. There was nothing in his life. He had a godly testimony before men. Now it's interesting that this same word translated perfect here is the word used to describe the animals brought as a sacrifice unto the Lord in the Old Testament. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12 for one example. Exodus 12. And this is of course talking about the Passover lamb. In Exodus 12 and verse 5 there, it says, Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. It says, it shall be without blemish. That word blemish there, it's that same idea. The lamb had to be perfect, okay, without blemish. And that's the same word here, talking about Noah. And so Noah's life was without blemish before men. Okay, that's what it's talking about. It was without blemish. And again, the same should be true of each of us who have been saved by grace through faith. We have been justified before God, and now our lives should reflect that truth unto those around us. Our lives should be blameless before men. As I said, that doesn't mean sinless. Okay? We all sin, but it's the idea that we deal with that sin, and we get things right, and we make things right with others. We live righteous before men. We live blameless. Philippians chapter 2, Paul speaks about this idea of being blameless before men. Let's turn there, Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, and read from verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For his God, that's not the right passage. I see this, sorry, keep going. Okay, it says, For his God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, doing all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither laboured in vain. Verse 15 in particular, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. It's that whole idea. We, we shine as a light. We are to be a light unto the unsaved, and we do that through our testimony. Now, there's nothing they can hold on to. We are blameless. We are harmless. We have a godly testimony before men. It says, it's not the idea that we are to be sinless. That's impossible. We can never be sinless. But it's the idea that we are to strive to be more like Christ and we are to live that before men. Live a life without rebuke. Nothing for them to lay hold on. There's nothing in our life that brings reproach upon the name of Christ. You see, our desire is to be that daily we become more like Him. More like our Heavenly Father. And that's reflected in the way we live. You know, we know the passage well, but James talks about how faith Without works is dead. James chapter 2. Okay, faith without works is dead. We're not going to go and read it because I know we, we've been there before. We know the passage well. But you know, we are saved by grace through faith alone. And as we said, that results in us being declared righteous before God, justified. 
and it should then result in a godly life. Okay, that is the natural flow and effect, isn't it? Okay, saved by grace through faith, declared righteous before God, and we then work before men. We live righteously before men. Our works demonstrate our faith. Our works demonstrate the change that's taken place. And that was certainly the case with Noah here in Genesis chapter 6. His life, his actions reflected the fact that he'd been saved by grace through faith. You see, God's grace taught him to live righteously in his generation. Just turn to Titus with me, Titus chapter 2. This is a wonderful verse, Titus chapter 2. And verse 11 to 13, Titus chapter 2, and read from verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the salvation that we have experienced is an act of God's grace through faith, as we've talked about. And that grace, what does Titus say? He says that that grace teaches us not to continue in sin. Okay, God's grace doesn't teach us to continue in sin so that grace might much more abound. Paul says that in Romans. Okay? That's not what God's grace teaches us. Rather, God's grace teaches us what? To deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly, righteously in this present world. God's grace should result in a godly life. Okay, that's the point. Okay? It shouldn't result in us flaunting our sin and thinking, well, God's grace will be sufficient and we can just keep going that way. No, it should teach us to live godly. And that's what happened with, with Noah. That's what you see here. Okay? By grace, through faith, he's saved, he's justified before God, and it teaches him to live perfect in his generation, to live a godly life. And that brings us now to the third point this evening. We see Noah walked with God. That's the third thing that's stated about him there in Genesis 6, verse 9. Let's go back there. <clears throat> it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. He walked with God. You know, back in chapter 5 and verse 24, we saw a very similar thing said about his great grandfather, Enoch. Just read that with me, Genesis 5, verse 24. It says, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And so a very similar thing is said about his great-grandfather, Enoch. Enoch walked so closely with the Lord that God took him home to be with him. We talked about that last Sunday morning. Enoch didn't see death. And likewise here, Noah is said to have walked with God. Now, when we looked at Enoch, we said that this walk was not a physical walk like Adam and Eve enjoyed in the garden. Okay, this walk with God was a spiritual walk with the Lord. And so Noah, like Enoch, he had a close relationship with his God. That's what it's talking about here. He had a close relationship with God. It's a relationship that was only possible, why? Because of his faith. Okay, it goes back to verse 8. Okay, he was saved by grace through faith. And so he'd entered into this relationship with God, this walk with God. Morris writes this, he says, Only as a result of and on the basis of 
this glorious gift of grace, can one then walk in fellowship with God, showing the genuineness of his faith by his works. You see, a walk with God is only possible because of faith and experience in the grace of God. You see, like Enoch before him, as everyone else is turning away from the Lord, what's Noah doing? He's drawing closer to God. We talked about this morning, we talked about the the wickedness in the world and how every imagination of the thought of their heart was only evil continually. Man, he's turning further and further away from God. The earth is filled with violence and wickedness and sin. Everywhere Noah looks, there's wickedness taking place. But Noah, what does he do? Noah draws closer to God. You know, Noah must have felt the pressure. He must have felt the pressure of the the sinful, wicked world around him. The pressure just to to blend in. He had to put his head down and just blend in with everyone else. To go with the flow, to act like everybody else. But Noah didn't. What did Noah do? He walked with God. You see, through faith, we are all able to enter into that same relationship with the Lord. That same relationship. It's a relationship that God then wants us to build upon. To develop through, as we said last time, spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer. That's how we develop this walk with the Lord. Allowing Him to speak to us. Allowing the Spirit to change us. You know, little by little. So we might walk in the spirits, and we might walk in close fellowship with the Lord. You see, as we then walk with the Lord... God then can use us, can't he? As we are walking with the Lord, he is able to use us to accomplish his will here on earth. And there are a couple of ways that we can see this close walk with the Lord evident in the life of Noah. The first is in his obedience to the Lord's work, the Lord's commands uh, to him, demands on his life. You see, three times we're told that Noah obeyed God. Look in verse 22 of this chapter. It says, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. And then you go to chapter 7 and verse 5, it says, and Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And then drop down to verse 16. It says, and they went in, uh, sorry, and they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Three times it talks about Noah. He's been given commands by God, and we'll look at them more as we look at the ark. He's given these commands by God, but what did Noah do? He obeyed those commands fully. He did all that God commanded him to do. Where did this obedience come from? It came from his walk with the Lord. It's a direct result of that. His close walk with the Lord. It meant that his heart was right with God, and so he's ready to receive the instructions of the Lord, and he's ready to respond to the instructions of the Lord. When, when God spoke, Noah was ready to listen, wasn't he? Noah was ready, and, and Noah was ready to obey. You see, this ought to be the case in our lives as well. Now, we've been saved by grace through faith, declared righteous. We are to live righteously before men, live blameless, but we are to walk with the Lord, have a sweet relationship with him, so we might be ready to hear his voice and obey. Ready to do his word, not just hear it. Isn't that what James says? In James 1 verse 22, he says, But be hearers, doers of the word, and not hearers only. Not to just hear God's word, we are to obey God's word. 
You know, if we're not walking with the Lord, then we're not going to hear and obey, are we? Okay? We need to be walking with the Lord in that close relationship so that we might obey God's word, obey God's will for our lives. You see, that obedience is clear evidence of our walk with the Lord. And the second way we see Noah's walk clearly is seen in the fact that he boldly proclaimed the truth to those around him. And we see that in 2 Peter. Let's just turn over there. 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter. In 2 Peter 2 and verse 5, it says this, And spare not the old world, but save Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the world of the ungodly. It says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Now, God told Noah of the judgment to come. God told Noah of what was about to happen. And Noah then did everything he could to warn the people. Noah did everything he could to tell those around him of what was coming. Now, his close walk with the Lord meant that like God, Noah had a heart for the people. You notice that? See, like God, he had a heart for the people. And therefore, he preached the truth unto unto them. He was a preacher of righteousness. Now, I have no doubt that Noah's prayer was that some might be saved. You can, you can be sure that that was what Noah's desire was. As he's building the ark and as he's preaching right throughout that time of what's to come, you can guarantee that his prayer, his heart's desire, as he walked with the Lord, was that people would get saved. That people would repent. But you know, the sad reality is that in all that time that Noah is building the ark, in all that time that he's preaching the truth, a preacher of righteousness, there's no record of anyone responding to his preaching. You notice that? There's no record of anyone responding. The only people who believe are his own family. His three sons and their wives and his own wife. And even then, it's only three of his sons. There's no guarantee there wasn't more. It's a very small success rate, isn't it? You know, many today would look at that, look at Noah's ministry, and they would call Noah a complete and utter failure. A failure. He spent all those years and he's got no, nothing to show for it. No one responded. No one got saved outside of his own family. You know, that from a human perspective seems to be a failure, doesn't it? But you know, in the eyes of, the, of God, Noah had been faithful. And that's all that matters to the Lord. That's why God here says Noah walked with the Lord. You see, that's all that mattered. Noah had this close relationship with God. He obeyed God. He was a preacher of righteousness. He did what God wanted him to do. He was faithful. That's all that God required of him. Now, likewise, the closer our walk with the Lord, the greater our burden for the lost will be, just like Noah. We will have a burden for the lost. You know, the the greater our desire will be to, to proclaim the truth, Unto those around us, uh, our desire to, to labor for the Lord in the ministries of this church. You know, Sparks, Awana, Priority, Stunner School, whatever else it might be, we'll want to be involved. We'll want to be serving the Lord. We'll want to be doing God's will. It's evidence of our walk with the Lord. We want to do everything we can to tell others so that others might be saved. And like Noah, the success of our labor is not seen in the numbers, it's seen in faithfulness. That's important. It's not seen in the numbers, it's seen 
in our faithfulness. That's what God desires from each of us as believers. Faithfulness. You know, that will only happen as we walk with the Lord each day. Walk in that sweet relationship with Him. You know, the record of Noah here in verse 9 is a wonderful statement, isn't it? Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and he walked with God. Now, I trust that this evening, that that is our desire, that, you know, that may be said of us. You know, we have been justified, if we're saved, we've been justified by simple faith in Christ. Now, let's now pray that God would help us to daily live blameless before men, and that God would help us to walk closer to him each and every day. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word. We thank you, Lord, for Noah, and Lord, the record of the fact that he was saved by grace through faith. And Lord, that resulted in him being justified before you, Lord, living blameless before men, and Lord, he had a sweet relationship with you. Lord, I pray that that might be true for each of us. Lord, I pray that everybody here this evening and those watching at home would indeed be justified. They've placed their faith and trust in you. And Lord, I pray you help us now to live blameless before men and help us to daily walk closer to you so we might be willing, obedient servants. And Lord, do that which you've called us to do. Lord, bless now as we close this evening. Bless the rest of our week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.